Today, the AI craze continues. Hello again, it's Martin North from Digital Finance Analysis. Welcome to this post covering finance and property news. And this is our weekly market update. So once again, the Nasdaq Composite and the S&P 500 reset their record intraday and closing highs as tech shares continue to lure investors enthused over the potential impact of artificial intelligence across the economy. And the MSCI's gauge of stocks across the globe rose 0.76% and hit a record high as the AI loving continues. So again, we see the markets backing AI while choosing to ignore some of the less positive data signals out there. And so you simply have to ask the question, will this end well? And some of us are old enough to remember the dot-com bubble. The Nasdaq rose 1.1% to 16,274 and reset its intraday record high to 16,302. The S&P 500 advanced 0.8% to 5,137 after rising as high as 5,140 and the Dow was up 0.23% to 39,087. For the week, the S&P 500 gained 0.95%, the Nasdaq rose 1.74%, while the Dow fell 0.11%. NVIDIA advanced a further 4% to $822.79 a share, and its market capitalization was above US$2 trillion for the first time. Its shares have risen more than 65% to start the year. They ended 2023 at $495.22 a share. Rival Advanced Micro Devices shares gained 5.25% to a record high of $202.71, while the broader Philadelphia Semiconductor Index also closed at a record after a jump of 4.29% on the session. NetApp leaped 18% from reporting results that beat expectations, saying that it's seeing good momentum in AI. And Dell Technologies surged 31% after reporting better than expected sales and profit. The January-February rally in the S&P 500 is viewed as a positive sign of what lies ahead for the rest of 2024, at least according to Bank of America's Stephen Sutmeyer. When the S&P 500 has traded higher in both January and February, which is the 2024 scenario, the year is up 89% of the time, with an average return of 15.6%, which means that the S&P 500 would rise to around 5,510. And the March to December is up 86% of the time, on an average return of 7.8%, meaning the S&P 500 would be around 5,490. He went on to say, when this happens in presidential election years, the SPX has been up 100% of the time out of seven times for both the year and the March to December, with average returns of 15.9%, meaning the S&P 500 will be at 5,530 and 9.6% to 5,580 respectively. Now, Peter Callahan, a sector specialist within Goldman Sachs Global Banking Market, said the tech rally has been built on a strong foundation, and I expect it to continue. It's natural to wonder if these stocks are overvalued. However, he says that the Magnificent Seven are capitalising on one of the most exciting technologies in history, the rise of generative AI. But in contrast, Apple extended its slump on news that Goldman's dropped the company from its conviction list, 
though it paired its opening tumble, and Alphabet, Google's parent, was lower too. Apple slid 0.6% on the day, Alphabet shed 1.2%. And elsewhere, New York Community Bancorp tumbled a massive 25.89% after the regional lender said it had found material weaknesses in internal controls relating to its loan review and revised its fourth quarter loss to 10 times above the previously stated numbers. That helped to send the KBW Regional Banking Index 1.27% lower. Gains on the Dow were also curbed in part by a 1.83% fall in Boeing after a report saying that the plane maker was in talks to buy supplier Spirit Aero Systems. The rally is looking tired and sentiment positioning indicators are quite stretched. Barclays equities team said in the note, it would make sense for stocks to take a breather, yet it feels like this market wants to go higher. Michael Hunstead, Northern Trust Asset Manager's Deputy Chief Investment Officer and Head of Global Equities, believes multiples have grown too steep for the S&P 500 and the so-called Magnificent Seven Group of Growth and Technology Stocks that have led its rally. Tesla dropped nearly 20% this year, and that illustrates how quickly such stocks can reverse, he said. We expect to see some more risks to the downside for multiples, particularly amongst the Magnificent Seven. And Hunstad, who's been increasing his position in value-focused sectors, such as healthcare and energy, believes value stocks could better weather a prolonged period of elevated interest rates than growth names, as their cash flows are shorter term and less sensitive to borrowing costs. Actually, weaker US economic data and comments from Federal Reserve officials bolstered market expectations for interest rate cuts later this year. The Institute of Supply Management said its manufacturing PMI fell to 47.8 last month from 49.1 in January. That's the 16th straight month where the PMI remained below 50. This indicates contraction in manufacturing. And the University of Michigan's surveys of consumers showed all three measures of sentiment current conditions and consumer expectations fell once again more than expected. And yet investors appear to shrug off a note of caution from Richmond Federal Reserve President Thomas Barkin, who said US price pressures still exist and it's too soon to predict when the Fed will cut rates. Because the economy is doing well and because inflation remains a bit sticky, the Fed will be slower to lower interest rates, said Sam Stovall, Chief Investment Strategist at CFRA Research in New York. But that's good because when we're gradually coming off a higher interest rate cycle, we're not in need of cutting rates aggressively. Fellow Fed Governor Andrea Kugler said she is cautiously optimistic that progress will continue on disinflation without a significant weakening of the labour market and the central bank has avoided a wage price spiral. And also on Friday, Fed Governor Chris Waller kindled hopes for low interest rates, saying decisions about the ultimate size of the Fed's balance sheet had no bearing on its inflation fight. We saw two-year yields biggest decline since the end of January after the manufacturing data and Waller's suggestion of the need for more shorter dated treasuries. The two-year note, which typically moves in step with interest rates, fell to 4.533% from 4.646% late on Thursday, and the yield on the benchmark 10-year note fell to 4.186% from 4.252%, while the 30-year bond fell to 4.311% from 4.375% late on Thursday. And on Thursday, the US Personal Consumption Expenditures, the PCE report, 
was in line with expectations and showed annual inflation growth the smallest in three years. However, historical data had been revised lower and the once favoured core measure actually spiked as the monthly inflation rose at the highest pace in a year. But the yearly figure eased from 29 to 2.8%. The services inflation, which excludes housing and energy prices, jumped 0.6% on the month. That's the highest since March 2022. And the US Labor Department sent a group of super data users an email saying that the surge in last month's inflation was due to a shift in underlying calculations and was not necessarily due to the rise in prices. <laughs> so the BLS tried to unsend the email, but the information was seen. And some of them think that if what they saw is correct, the US rent inflation could remain elevated for a few more months yet. And that should keep the Federal Reserve doves at bay. Furthermore, the weekly jobless claims report revealed a more than expected rise, suggesting that the US jobs market may be finally weakening. The dollar index, which measures the greenback against a basket of major currencies, fell just 0.2% to 10391. The VIX was last at 13.11. In commodities, oil prices settled higher and posted weekly gains as traders awaited an OPEC Plus decision on supply agreements for the second quarter while they weighed US, Euro and Chinese economic data. U.S. crude settled up 1.98% at $79.81 a barrel, and Brent finished at $83.38 a barrel, up 1.89% on the day. Gold futures increased by 1.89% to $2,091.65 after the U.S. inflation data aligned with expectations, while jobless claims figures rose. The market interpreted yesterday's macroeconomic reports as bearish for the US dollar. Gold bulls just needed an excuse to buy and they found it, said Tai Wong, the New York-based independent metals analyst. Although gold is traditionally considered as a hedge against inflation, high interest rates discourage investment in bullion since it doesn't yield any passive income. Now over in Europe, European markets were strong on Friday, continuing the buoyant sentiment. The DAX in Germany traded sideways, having hit a fresh all-time high in the previous session. The CAC 40 in France traded at 7,934. And the FTSE 100 in the UK climbed 0.69% to 7,682. In the corporate sector, the earnings season is gradually winding down, but there is still a number of companies reporting their quarterly results. Those include Daimler Trucks, UK education company Pearson, Dutch insurer Adrian, UK online property company Rightmove, and French manufacturing firm Villarac. The stock 600 index closed up 0.6% after Eurostat figures published showing inflation across the 20 nation eurozone easing 2.6% in February from 2.8% a month earlier. Inflation dipped to 2.7% from 3.1% to Germany, to 3.1% from 3.4% in France, and to 29 from 3.5% in Spain. French inflation actually fell to the weakest level since September 2021. Combined with the weak economic outlook in the region, the latest inflation prints does revive expectations that the ECB could start cutting its rates before the Fed. The European Central Bank meets next week. And while no policy change is expected, the bank could hint at rate cuts down the track. The euro-US dollar was at 1.0839. 
and we can expect a further depreciation of the euro against the greenback, driven by the diverging strength of the underlying economies, which, by the way, is not only due to the fact that the Americans are so strong that they can defy whatever rate hikes the Fed throws at them, but it's partially also because the euro's government spends at a furious speed, whereas the euro area economies have had a better set of budget disciplines. But whatever it is, the euro's economy is doing significantly better than the eurozones. That's why the ECB is expected to cut more than the Fed this year, although not many see the ECB starting to cut rates before the Fed, so we'll see about that. Most Asian stocks rose on Friday, tracking strong overnight gains on Wall Street, with the Nikkei in Japan again at record highs. Indeed, Japanese stocks were by far the best performers in Asia, with the Nikkei 225 rising 1.92% to 39,940. The broader topics rose 1.1% and also hit a lifetime high of 2,709. Friday's gains were driven chiefly by technology stocks with Japanese chip makers and chip adjacent stocks tracking outsized gains in their US peers on hype over improved prospects from AI. Tokyo Electron rose 4.6%, while Avantes Corp added 2.6%. Japanese markets largely looked past data, showing the manufacturing sector shrank more than expected in January as economic activity in the country cooled. And Governor Yudei came to spoil the Bank of Japan's hawks trade by saying that their price target is not yet in sight and that they will still continue to seek confirmation whether the virtuous cycle between wages and prices begin to turn. The US dollar Japanese yen is back above 150, but it can probably not go much further because traders fear a direct foreign exchange intervention from the Japanese authorities to prevent the yen from losing too much value. China's Shanghai Shenzhen CSI 300 and Shanghai Composite Indices rose 0.62 and 0.39% respectively, while gains in tech stocks helped Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index add 0.47%. Increased consumer spending during the Lunar New Year holiday helped non-manufacturing businesses, and a separate private survey showed that Chinese manufacturing sectors grew slightly more than expected in February. But while Chinese PMI figures came in slightly better than expected in February, the manufacturing activity shrank for the fifth straight month and home sales slumped faster despite stimulus measures to throw a floor under China's falling property market. The value of new home sales from the top 100 developers have reportedly slipped by 60% from a year earlier. The latter home data comes as yet another proof point that a property prices has no easy overnight fix. Just remember, it took Japan three decades to get out of deflation. Among other Asian markets, India's Nifty 50 index was at 22,378 after GDP data showed India's economic outperformance persisted in the December quarter. GDP grew a bigger than expected 8.4% in the December quarter, defying expectations for a slowdown and bringing annual growth to a peer-beating 7.6%. India was the fastest growing major economy over the past two years. And overall, the Indian government predicts a whopping 7.6% through the fiscal year to March, higher than the 7.3% they predicted earlier. And the Indian Nifty 50's outperformance compared to the Chinese CSI is indisputable since the middle of 2021. If China can't remedy its home crisis, India could finally become the new China.
Now on Friday in Australia, the ASX 200 finished up 0.61% at a record 7,745.6 points for a weekly gain of 1.3%. Gains in Australian shares were driven chiefly by expectations that the Reserve Bank has done raising interest rates. Markets were also optimistic ahead of fourth quarter GDP out next week. But that said, unprecedented levels of volatility have swept through the ASX this reporting season, amplified by a flurry of earning surprises and large amounts of money changing hands. Equity valuations in Australia aren't that stretched, said David Bassanis, chief economist at BetaShares. We've gone through a slow patch on earnings and now the RBA might take its foot off the economic break. So the S&P ASX 200 could reach 8,000 points by the end of 2024, he said. Mobile app Live360 scored 38.5% to $11.30 after it said more than 61 million people used its app each month to track friends and family members. Its revenue increased 33% to $205 million US dollars, and the company reported a positive adjusted operating income of $20.6 million. That's ahead of guidance, which was set at $12 million US. Elsewhere, the resources sector added 1.9% as lithium miners jumped after benchmark futures for the battery metal traded in China, extending a long week rebound. Pilbara Metals gained 4.3% to $4.38 and Arcadium Lithium was up 10.3% to $8.56. Early data from JP Morgan suggests February was one of the most volatile earnings seasons on record. That's according to JP Morgan's Australian Equities research boss, Jason Steed, who said the firm's analysis showed 36% of companies moved more than 5% on the ASX following their results. That's the highest level on record, and pipping the previous record high of 35% that was set in August 2020. We're seeing a lot of volatility in the extremes, he said, noting that the price swings had been on the rise since the onset of the pandemic. With the majority of companies having announced earnings, the winners and losers among the SX200 members appear to be evenly split. In fact, data compiled by Comsec show that about half the companies moved lower on the day of their results this reporting season, with the average moves less than 0.1% down. Trading was also higher as February volumes climbed above 16 billion for the first time since 2012. Michael Bell, chief investment officer at Solaris Investment Management, said there had been a lot of trading activity among fund managers in this season. It's been a flattish month, but you still had massive volatility from individual stocks when results came out. And that's generally as a result of where positioning is in companies, he said. There's a lot of asset allocation going on to our market. That's all the hedge funds that are shorting the market, as well as offshore money coming in. Mr. Bell said that the high level of M&A was one of the biggest surprises of the season. Altium, CSR and Borrell all received takeover offers, a further sign that cashed up companies are prepared to spend big. We had a stabilisation of interest rates and corporates in general have really good balance sheets, so the board's have confidence to go out and buy, he said. One of the big shifts this month noted by several managers was a move away from previously loved healthcare stocks into beaten up retailers like Lovisa, Harvey Norman and West Farmers, which rallied over February. Lovisa alone surged 40% last month. Retail is a great example where you're seeing multiple expansion. You're seeing share prices go up a lot more than the earnings upgrades, Mr. Steed said. Retail is really opposite to health, where 
we've seen earnings downgraded and multiples contract. It's a fascinating dichotomy. And Mr. Bell also said that retail was one sector in which hedge funds cover their short positions, probably adding to the volatility. A month ago, JB Hi-Fi was 4% short. Today, it's 3.7%. He said there's been a bit of short covering around results that can push prices and put them into artificial territory. The retail sector added a staggering $20 billion to its market capitalization in February, up almost 8%, and the market value of health stocks shrank almost $10 billion since peaking before the earnings season, with sectors major such as CSL declining more than 7% since its results. Technology stocks beat the retail sector to be the best performing of the ASX 11 industry groups in February after rallying almost 20%. The sector was propelled by that global rally in tech stocks following another surprise earnings beat from NVIDIA. Cloud connectivity provider Megaport was among the largest movers, surging nearly 50% since reporting at the end of January, despite a largely unsurprising result. The sector reshuffle has left forecasters, as Mr. Steed, unsure of where the share market goes from here. Discretionary ultimately should be worth more, but then you've got these Offsets like healthcare, materials also haven't been great, he said. You've got materials going backwards, struggling healthcare, and banks are also arguably fully valued. You'd struggle to get the index up as a whole. And finally, in crypto, breaking free from a month long sideways trend, Bitcoin surged past 64,000 US this week, but has moved back below it now to 61,934 as funds continue to flow into the ETFs causing a demand surge. Some expect more positive news ahead with an 80,000 US dollar target. But this, I think, will remain as unpredictable as ever, as I discussed this week in my live show. And as for what's ahead, well, join me next Tuesday for a live discussion with Damien Klassen from Nucleus Wealth. And of course, the next RBA decision has now been delayed on its new timetable. So I wonder whether the AI surge will hold or will reality dawn. Perhaps history will rhyme with the dot-com era. We will see. I'm Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics. Many thanks for watching, and I'll see you again next time.